All right. Hi, everyone. Thank you for coming out to the panel series here at Big Pine Comedy Festival. This afternoon's panel topic is comedy tales of rejection. We have three panel participants and three special guests that we'll bring up who are all a combination of festival performers as well as industry. And we're all gonna be discussing their moments of terrible rejection, getting over your ego as a performer, and when no just means not a right now, and how to turn that into a yes. We'll have an audience Q&A towards the end of the panel, so hold on to those questions. So without further ado, we're gonna have our panel participants introduce themselves, and we'll start off with Tom and work our way down. Ah, uh, hello everybody. I'm Tom Sims. I own Stir Crazy Comedy Club in Glendale, Arizona. That's it. Good one, Tom. Yeah. Give it up for Tom. <laughs> Clap, goddammit. I'm just kidding. Hi everyone, I'm Michael, and I uh, am a stand-up comedian from Arizona. Now I live in Los Angeles. Michael was also on Conan and Bring the Funny as also well. Those. But could you imagine if I said that? Ew. <laughs> Hey, I'm Lisa Landry. Thanks for being here. And Lisa has been on Comedy Central and The Late Late Show with Craig Ferguson. So give our panel a round of applause. Uh, all right, so let's kick off this panel with our first question. Uh, what moment of rejection sticks out most in your mind? Uh, am I speaking as a former comic who got rejected or a club owner who does the rejecting? Let's hear both sides. Let's okay. hear from the club owner first and then put your co uh, comedian hat on, which you're already okay. wearing. Uh, so uh, I, you had mentioned, it, or, or no, I guess we were talking earlier about re if you're a comedian and you're trying to get booked, uh, and I know this from this side now, um, no doesn't always mean no. No usually means not right now, but I don't have time to deal with it. So I know a lot of comics hit me up and they don't hear back. And I went through that myself years ago. And, you know, it always used to drive me crazy. Why can't you just respond? You know, I, I get it now. I can't, I don't have time to respond to every single email or Facebook message or text that I get. So it's just, uh, you know, you ignore it. You keep in mind, you, you know, you keep in everybody in mind, but you, you can't get a hold of it or you can't book everybody and you're, I'm not booking right now. And maybe you're not right for a particular show you're looking for. So don't, don't let, uh, the rejection, you know, kind of get you down. I know it's easier said than done, but there's, there's so many factors that go into booking, uh, that you can't take it personally. I know a lot of comics do, you know, I, I have to face them, you know, uh, but you shouldn't, it's, it, no, it doesn't always mean no, uh, when you're getting turned down for a gig so that's that's what i would say is that a good answer i don't know yeah. I'm, I'm just trying that's to get a, through that's this that's a great answer and then from okay. the comedian side what's a rejection you experienced that really sticks out well the same thing you know i was i was trying to get gigs as well you would send your information in a very polite email to a booker and never hear anything back and it's frustrating you think it's personal you think oh they watch my video and they think i suck no i now i know that no i i didn't watch your video or uh, I don't have time to watch your video. I may get around to it, but if I sat and watched videos all day, I, I would be able to get nothing done. Um, it's just, it's just a hard grind. There's 10 million comedians out there that are trying to get gigs, and you're just, you know, when you, if you don't have a, a connection already into a booker or a club owner, you're just another name in just another email. It's hard to break through that noise. Um, you just got to stay with it and not take it personally. 
So, and I was, I was on the other side of that too. And I was, I was frustrated too. How about one? Give it up for Tom. No, don't, 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 don't do that. We'll be here all night. I thought you did good. (laughs) I, uh, yeah. Reject, rejection, huh? P.U. No one likes it. I don't know how to answer this. There's a lot of, uh, Tom, Tom Sims rejected me. Uh, at his comedy club once. Put me on a temporary ban after I backed out of a uh, feature weekend last minute. Which put you on a temporary ban? See, well, this is what I mean. How comedians this they is start what goes in my head. Narratives this in their is what head. goes in my head. <laughs> I did back out uh, rudely close to the weekend. He, is, he had every right to never to never book me again. But the man does. There's a Not tale of rejection. All. It this wasn't even real. This is a really real. good podcast. Yeah, it was in my brain, and now I'll be at Stir Crazy next month. So that's nice. Yeah, we'll we'll see. Uh, <laughs> No, that's not true. You weren't banned. I don't ban anybody. Well, you know, you're a little light on the email responses there for a few months. <laughs> I wasn't. <laughs> how's it? How, how's a, a young man supposed to think, you know? Because I thought I did something bad. And I did do something bad. I was like, ah, I can't no, go. No, that's, that's not bad. All right, well. I, I, I can't speak to other bookers, but, you know, I, I get it. Things come up. I'm, I'm totally cool if, if uh, you know, you have to move stuff. Headliner's different. And if it's really close to you know the show and i've already sold tickets that's a pain because i have to undo all of that but if i haven't sold any tickets for a headliner or if it's a host or feature i am totally cool with moving uh you know moving you around it doesn't you know now you may not get booked for another six months because i'm booked but i'm totally cool i i don't i don't take that stuff personally at all if you have to it's not like i'm gonna go where am i gonna find a comedian now i'm gonna find 10 million comedians (laughs) right now so that uh I know this is probably way off topic, but anyway. Lisa, how about, how about you? What was maybe the most, uh, you know, the, the, the hardest the, rejection the you had to handle? Because there have been so many through the years. Uh, and, and you can't take it personally, you know, uh, like Tom just said, you really can't. Because a lot of times it's not about you. You're just not what they're looking for, for whatever reason. You can't change that. But um, I actually got Aspen. The last year that they were doing the festival, I got HBO Aspen, and I got it without a manager. And the, the bookers had seen me perform, and they told me, they were like, you know, for the new talent showcase, they were like, we've seen female comedians throughout the country. We haven't seen anybody like you. We have to have you. Which felt really fucking awesome, because you do get rejected so so many years for so many things. And um, they offered it to me. And then when it came time that, the last festival was going to take place. My friends were getting their calls. They were getting their things together. And um, I hadn't gotten my call yet. And because I didn't have a manager or an agent at the time, I'm the one that had to call these women and ask, you know, what's going on? And they had found out I was pregnant. And so they told me that they didn't want me at the festival because I was going to have a baby. And I said I wasn't going to bring the baby to the festival with me. (laughs) You know? And they were like, well, don't you know how much a baby needs his mommy? Like, fucking fussing at me, telling me I was a bad mom before I even delivered the little motherfucker. And um, I was supposed to thank you very much for laughing at my horrible mother joke. I'm glad y'all got that. I was feeling kind of edgy for a moment. But uh, they were basically, and I was telling them, like, well, I'm going to leave the baby with the baby's daddy, you know? And they're like, why aren't you going to take any time off? And I'm thinking, like, no, I have fucking bills. What do you mean take time off? I'm not a trust fund act. And uh, this woman's like, well, you know, aren't you going to breastfeed? 
And I was like, well, you can freeze it. I've been Googling this stuff, trying to figure out how to make it work. And apparently you can like put it in, in bags and stick it in the freezer. I'm going to be gone three or four days. And they're like, you can't bring your baby with you. And I'm like, why would I bring my baby to work? I'm not going to bring my baby to the club. So why would I bring my baby to a festival? And they told me that the year before, they had booked a female comedian who brought her newborn baby to the festival. And her husband was a comedian, and apparently they kept getting into fights because the husband was jealous of the heat on his wife's career. So he kept showing up with the baby to all the events. Oh. Right. And I'm like, well, wait a minute. I don't even know these people that you're speaking to me of. I don't run my career like this other couple I've never met. I'm not going to bring my baby with me. And she was just like, well, you know, there's going to be other festivals. And I was like, yeah, but HBO is not going to be affiliated next year. And they were like, well, you can audition. I'm like, why would I audition for a new faces when I will have done my special already for Comedy Central? And that's the thing. Like, people should hear this in this industry. When you get rejected and you make sense to people who are rejecting you, they get really fucking pissed. So it's probably not a good idea because I offended people by asserting myself and asking why are you being irrational, basically, without saying why are you being sexist and irrational. Well, and that's a perfect lead into our next question. Like that, that scenario was sexist. It was irrational. But how do you overcome that and how do you handle that moving moving forward? Um, you get a representative, a manager or an agent. So you're not the one going back and forth with somebody who can be a huge decision maker later. And you have that agent kind of handle That's that That's the best part yeah. of having somebody buffer for you. You know, some managers are better than others. Some It's just like everything. Some lawyers are better than others. Some shoe salesmen are better than others. But um, if you have a really good manager or agent who can take those calls and you know, kind of finesse the situation, that's to your advantage. Whereas you're the, you're the talent getting turned down. They don't want to say no to us. You don't want to say no to talent. I'm sure as a club owner. No, sometimes you do. <laughs> but for the most part, nobody wants to be that person saying no, which is why they do avoid us getting on the phone with us or returning our emails. So uh, yeah, get somebody who can work in, in your favor and don't be that person getting into arguments with industry, even when they're being stupid. And Michael, how have you handled some rejection um, in instances where maybe you didn't have access to a manager or an agent at that point? Um, uh, I, I don't know. I guess it's uh, there's like things in when you're coming up that you think you like you do this and then you do this and, you, and there's like an order. And I kind of found out that that's not a real thing that doesn't exist anymore. What did you think that order was? I thought you like first you do JFL and then you're allowed to do anything else. But I've never done, I still haven't done JFL, and I got to do the, the Conan show and this, this NBC show, and get to headline clubs, and I have a little career without, I still want that, and I still try for it every year, and hopefully someday. But it's not like, a, I used to, I remember the first time I didn't get passed by them, I was like, God, it's just, it's, it's over. I'm not, I'm not good. Or, you know, it's just going to be, it's going to be a long, terrible career. And that's not true. Realize that it's all such a weird landscape right now that you can really, there's so many different routes to getting on. It's, uh, yeah, I don't know. There's, before a manager, I was in Arizona. I was the luckiest person in the world. I got my manager, like, the day I moved out to L.A. It was uh, unheard of. Even she told me that. She was like, this doesn't happen to people. You should be very happy. Maybe that was a power move, thinking about it. <laughs> But it worked, and I am happy. 
But I still, I guess the thing is getting rejected with a manager, that's another thing. It's because you're embarrassed and you like, you want to make them proud, you know? But understanding that they work for you is big. I used to act like I worked for my manager and would just be like, please don't drop me, you know, please don't. But it's not, that's a terrible way to have that relationship. You need to think of them as you're, they're working for you. Does that... Did I say anything that's worthwhile? Yes. I think a really important point that Michael makes is that comedy isn't linear. And just because one goal wasn't reached, it doesn't mean all these other doors can't open for you and you can get to where you want to go. You just take a different route. Uh, Tom, any thoughts on uh, overcoming rejection, how to get to a better place maybe quicker after you get rejected from something? Uh. No, not really. I mean, other than what I already said is, you know, don't, don't take it personally. And, and you mentioned, uh, and I kind of joked about not, not, you know, if, and again, I can only speak for myself. If I know that I'm never going to book somebody, I don't have a problem telling them that. Um, but what I had to learn, we'll see. Uh, what I learned early on is, you know, when I first started booking, uh, I would try to answer, you know, every email, but Every response is going to be another response, and then I have to respond to that. And now you're in a five-email exchange with this comedian who wants answers why I didn't book him immediately. And now when you're talking 20 com communications a day with, over, with comedians, that's a lot of back and forth that, you know, I'm not just the booker of this club. I own this club. So in addition to booking, I'm also trying to find out why my cook didn't show up or I'm trying to fix the Dr. Pepper or I'm trying to find out when maintenance is all this other stuff. I don't have time to email this, this stranger in Dallas who wants a feature gig and he's mad cause I didn't give him one. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, uh, that's, that's why I don't respond normally. Uh, and from my other conversations with other bookers, why they don't either. Uh, so no, doesn't mean no, unless I tell you no, uh, but that's just, again, that's just me. I've only had one situation. Uh, and I guess this is kind of rejecting. I'll go through it real quick. So it was this longtime headliner. He's been around forever. Respected guy. Just He's still kind of old school and not somebody that I wanted to book for the club. But I respected the guy. I had worked with him years ago. And uh, he kept calling me. And I didn't want to book him. And I didn't want to be, you know, it's like, who am I to not book this guy? That's what, kind of the way I felt. So I didn't want to. Uh, I didn't want to have to tell him. He was the only one that I was like, I don't want to say this to this guy. And he kept calling me. And then one time, which tells you how old he is, he called the club for a gig. Don't call a club for a gig. Uh, anyway, so finally he called me and he was just a real dick to me. And like disparaging all the comics that I had on the website. Who is it? So th Yeah, Names. no way, man. We all want to no know. Then... He, but I was glad because then he made it easy for me to be a dick right back to him. And then I'm like, no, I'm not going to book it. You're a hacky road comic. I'm not going to book it. So he made it easy on me. So that was the only time where I was like, I don't want to say no to this guy. But other than that, if I know I'm not going to book someone, I'll tell them. And I'll usually tell them why too. But. Another good thing that helps with rejection is just remembering, it sounds so cheesy and corny, but it's like, just remember that you get to do it. Like yeah. think of you as 15 years old and what that little person would think of you on stage making people laugh. That'd be like the coolest thing in the world. All this other stuff, all these other stresses happen when stuff starts opening up, you know, like you do a, you'll get an opportunity and then 
doors that seemed impossible to open seem like they can open and then you start stressing out about stuff that you didn't even care about when you got into it and like even a comedian in a small scene is a cool that's a cool person they're doing an art form that is very difficult well even if it's not in LA or New York and they're not getting recognized it's still like you're still like in the 1% of cool people in that's in that city you know you like walk by a cool painter or whatever and you're like ah, I wish I could do that that's what people are doing when you're on stage they're like ah that's so cool I wish I could do that so just uh that helps me suck the old dick sometimes I guess sorry for the the crashness but yeah sometimes when it gets rough I'm like well at least I am doing this and not something else this is like the only thing you know if you do it it's probably the only thing you like to do if it's not I don't know maybe go to grad school or something but it's like literally the only thing I like to do I think or the only thing I feel comfortable. That's so weird. Because sometimes it's very uncomfortable. But it does, I don't know. It feels like like when you're growing up, maybe you play sports or something and you suck forever. And you're like, God, what is this feeling people have that's good? And then you, you like do a good set. And you're like, oh, that's what it must have felt like when that kid hit that baseball or something. This is that. You feel like in control and cool. It's just remembering that you're doing something cool helps a lot, I think. I think that's great advice. And Lisa, do you have any advice on how to deal with rejection so that it's not so emotionally and creatively draining? Um, yeah, I guess the best thing to like, if you have something you really wanted and you get turned down, just remember in 48 hours, it won't matter as much. Like, does that make sense? Yeah. Cause in 48 hours, a lot of things shift and you'll find out more information of why you didn't get it. You'll hear somebody got it and you'll think, okay, that makes sense. That makes sense. That person's super talented. Or you'll think, okay, well, uh, obviously I wasn't the person they're looking for cause a black woman got that. You know what I'm saying? Like I couldn't have delivered what they wanted and, and that person's super talented and just go back to thinking about, okay, well, uh, how can I make my act better so that I don't get turned down next time? Or what next project do I want to put my focus on and let me get on that instead of sitting and wallowing in it. Yeah, trying to rebound as quickly as you can. Scream in a pillow and then move on. Because <laughs> a lot of times you, you just didn't get it because you weren't right for it. That's what's up. Sometimes you are right for it and it, it really sucks that it didn't work out for you, but most of the time there's something better coming for you. Uh, Michael, Lisa, and Tom, how have you all used rejection to fuel you in your comedy career? And maybe even opening a comedy club in that regard. <laughs> I, I couldn't get books. So I opened my fucking club. That's what happened. No, that's not true. No. I don't know if I've ever fueled it. I was thinking uh, while you guys were talking, though, one time I did um, uh, I, I did uh, email the booker once. This was early on, and, and he was very honest. He got back to me. He was very honest. He said, look, I don't think you, you know, you're strong enough. You're material, blah, 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 blah. But he said, uh, he basically turned me down, and I responded to him, and I was very friendly. I was like, hey, I really appreciate the uh, the feedback, you know, I forget what I said, but it was very, you know, very cool response. Um, and then he, he obviously appreciated that I was being cool about it and said, well, but continue send me your, your videos. And I continued to send him my videos and eventually he did start booking me. And I think about that now I do, when I do give someone news that they don't want to hear, some of them are just jerks back. And it's like, am I, are you trying to convince me now by being a dick to, to book you? But I, I do, that happens a lot, actually. Mostly it's the open micer levels. They are incredibly uh, rude in emails, which is kind of funny to me. But anyway, just be cool about it. You know, if you do, if you do get, um, 
rejected or whatever, uh, just just be cool about it, you know, other than trying to start a fight. I don't know what that was supposed to accomplish. But Being cool anyway. is probably like half of it. Like yeah. You'd rather work with someone who's cool than someone who's outrageously talented, but you know it's going to be the worst time of your life working with them, you know? For sure. I don't know too many outrageously talented people that are like terrible, but I would imagine. Be, be a decent person, right? Uh, yeah, That's absolutely. That absolutely plays into uh, it. Michael. Am I sucking this podcast up? No, you're <laughs> doing wonderful. But we have reached the point in the panel where we're going to bring up our first special guest. Please welcome Janae Burris. You recognize Janae from First Look NBC and JFL. We're excited to have her on the panel. And Janae is going to share a tale of rejection that she experienced. Tell of rejection. Every day, every day it happens. But what I was thinking of was um, when I got my college agent, maybe last year or a year before, it was a year of feeling like I really should have a college agent. I was like, I think that what me and my friends were doing together would be a great fit for college. And a good friend connected us with his agent. And then she was like, well, I don't want to take a group, so have them each submit individually. And then... She said yes to one of my friends, immediately had her sign a, sign a contract. My email, she said, no, thank you. I don't think it's the right fit. And, um, and I was the one that got the ball rolling. So for my friend to get an immediate yes was kind of hurtful, but I was so convinced that it was the right time and the right move to have a college agent that I, for the first time in my life, sent a, a follow-up email and said, hold on, I think that I could show you something else. I could show you some other work that she had seen me before at another festival and had already written me off. I wasn't her style. And I was like, hold on, let me show you something else. And I tried to be charming and funny and polite in my email. And then she was like, okay, okay, let me hear something else. Let me see something else. Let's talk a little bit more. And I sort of charmed my way into her working with me and signing me. And so initially it was a rejection and my feelings were hurt, were hurt but um, then I stayed cool and polite and send something else and then it worked out so now I'm getting work through her and getting these like um and my friend that got signed immediately she was all hurt because then she didn't get any like NACA auditions you know she was like well I was the first it, it the rejections come continuously but what I learned from that situation is that it is okay to go ahead and follow up and ask and push a lot of people are doing it it's been a tough lesson the whole career is that other people are asking for what they want other people are not taking no for an answer all the time like I was always just taking the no and just sucking it up so that was a tale of rejection and is there anything you do to help kind of get over that rejection hurdle a little bit quicker so you can kind of get back to the grind I think now because I'm getting older I am no longer uh, so personally tied to each rejection even though as an artist I am my art and when they reject my art they it feels as though they reject me um, there's so much work to be had out there there's so many opportunities to be had. I keep thinking of that. On to the next opportunity. On to the next rejection. You know, every, I don't know if you ever read Stephen King's uh, on writing, and he talks very early in the book about how he kept track of his rejections. Every time he got a rejection letter, he'd put it up on his wall. So he just had this huge stack of rejections he was getting before he finally sold, um, I think, Christine, maybe, 
but he got so many rejections first. So that's something I like to think about too. There's, there's more rejections to be had. Let's get to the next one. And how do you let or allow rejection fuel your career? Does it make you kind of want to work harder or how has it changed kind of your approach to comedy and reaching out to people? Um, um, another rejection thing that I got that, that helped me so much. Um, Baron Vaughn, I fucking love him, and he's a friend, and he's always kind, and he's recommended me for other work, and he's gone to bat for me. And then one day, I was about, I was like complimenting him on his show. I was like, "Congratulations, your show just got um, signed or whatever." Uh, I think he got a Comedy Central show. He got two shows. Anywho, we're at a festival, and he goes, um, "I was like, congratulations on this stuff," and he was just like, "Janae." I can't book you. You don't have any TV credits. I was like, I, I didn't even ask for, I, did, I was like so embarrassed that he thought I was at, about to ask him for a spot. And it, it, <laughs> that's not what I was doing. But what I got from that lesson was I got to get some TV credits. <laughs> I was like, eh, that, this keeps coming up that I don't have TV credits. I got to get some TV credits. And then that year I ended up getting one, a really lame TV credit, but still a TV credit nonetheless. Hey, it counts. It counts. It counts. And what was the first thing you did to like get that TV credit, to get the ball rolling? Um, I, you know, I put it out there. You know, I, I started just um, trying harder, <laughs> um, emailing more, asking people how they got whatever they got, more questions, you know, present myself as a humble novice and student. And I'm open for advice from people. And by putting it out there, I think uh, that I was started to be in the right orbit for a few things. That's awesome. And I think that's great for people who are going to be listening to this panel later. Um, I think it'll be really good for them to, to hear that. Um, panel, any questions or comments for Janae before we bring up our next special guest? All right, Janae, thanks Thank so you much for joining, for joining us. Uh, Next up is Brandon Vestal from Dry Bar Comedy. And he was also, oh yeah, you can rotate out, sorry. Uh, and he was also Comedian of the Month at SiriusXM. Thanks hey. for coming on. Hello, Tom. All right, Brandon, you're in the rotating seat, so you get to share your tale of rejection. Uh, it's pretty much the same that everyone said every day, uh, but... <laughs> The one that sticks out the most, it's short and sweet, but it's at the improv years ago. The booker had like a five o'clock open mic. Well done those, they're terrible. But I went that far in and uh, did my set, whatever. I called the guy the next day and asked him like, hey, what do you think? And you want people to be honest, but someone's really honest with you. Because <laughs> the way he said it, he, he goes, well, I didn't see anything that I hated, but I didn't see anything I liked either. I was like, damn. And that stuck with me today. I mean, that messed me up. And seeing that you've been in the the comedy industry for a while, you're a professional comedian, how have you changed your approach to dealing with rejection from early on in your career to now? You see, it really pissed off. And uh, I would get frustrated because it's not like if you're a basketball player or something, you didn't make the team, you can immediately go out and start shooting baskets. Least some energy. I can't really start screaming jokes in my house. So what it does now is it seems to fuel writing for some reason. If I get something, like I get rejected from something. Like if I get an email from a festival that I didn't get in, I get, I get pretty mad for a little bit. And then for some reason, I start getting creative and start writing some new stuff. I don't know. It just inspires me to write new stuff. 
So I got a lot of new stuff this year. <laughs> um, and as you think of rejection, how has it fueled your career um, and gotten you to where you are today? I guess it just makes you stronger, right? I mean, as corny yeah. as that sounds, build up a callus like everything else. You just keep going, and you the urge to prove people wrong, too. That's a big thing. Is there any bad advice that you've ever gotten on how to deal with rejection, like what not to do? <laughs> yeah, uh, some guys told me that to get in with the stir crazy, just keep emailing Tom. <laughs> Call the club. Just over and over again. Yeah. Call my house. Call my house. <laughs> Um, any other tales of rejection that you can uh, share with the panel and with the audience, and especially for those who are going to be listening back to this as a podcast later on? I guess the one that, like, one of the biggest wake-up call ones was season five of Last Comic Standing. I was, uh, it was down to me and uh, somebody else for the last regular slot on the show or something like that, and I didn't get it, and uh, I was upset. And then, like, a year later, I was working on a different show, and one of the producers from Last Comic and he remembered me, and we started talking. We became friends, and he's like, hey, the reason you didn't move on is because uh, they said they had another guy that looked like you. It's like, that was fucking it? Because another guy has my features or whatever it is? Like, I, I wrote all those. I mean, you've been busting my ass. Whatever. I'm still mad about it. But <laughs> It's just you work hard, and it comes down to that kind of shit. I can't wait till you on. email me well, again. And what's, what's some advice that you could share with people where that is the feedback they get? Like Look what, differently. Like, how do you even I overcome? I don't know. That? I'm trying to figure that one out. I wish I had get a an earring. For you. Huh? Yeah, but uh, that's the thing that's so random. I mean, you know, on the other end of that email is just just a person, right? We have we have moods that we're in. We have situations. It's so much of it is timing, and you know, literally, I, I might get an email from somebody with a video, and something happened, and I'm I'm just pissed off at the moment. Now, I'm going to watch your video in that frame of mind. I might be like, fucking really? Another joke about whatever? And, and it could be like that. It, it, it's because I'm in my mood. You know what I mean? We're, we're, we're all human. Uh, and you know, it's so much of it is, is timing. You know, just when I get that email. You know, if, if I happen to have a dropout and I'm like, shit, now I need to fill someone. And your email comes, oh, cool, perfect. And it's done. And it, it just it is that random. So when all of us say you can't take rejection personally, you can't. It is really that random. Unless somebody says, I think you suck, I'm not going to, I think you suck, I'm not going to book you. Well, yeah, that may be a little harder to get past, but I doubt you're going to hear that. Most of us don't want to have that conversation because it's not going to end there. Now I have to, you know, and I don't want to tell anybody you suck, you know. Um, so just you can't take any of it personally. It's not personal at all. Another one of the, the worst rejection, I don't know if you guys deal with this, but when you, when you, tell your, uh, when you have to tell your family oh. uh, that, you, you, that they knew you were up for something and they were really excited for you, and you're like, now, it's to the point now, I'm like, don't ask me shit. I'll tell you when there's something to be told. Don't ask me about anything. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, I just got voted off a TV show, and I had to go have dinner with my family after that. <laughs> yeah. They all came out to California and stuff, and we went to... Uh, what was it like? It was like an Olive Garden. But uh, yeah, you just got to sit there and do the thing. You're just like, I'm just grateful for how you know <laughs> how far I got and to to do it as much. Uh. 
Brandon, <laughs> any other words of wisdom that you can share, especially for some newer comics on how to handle rejection before, before you go? I mean, it's simple. Just keep plugging along, man. If this is what you want to do. Yeah, there's Michael no choice. Said, this is what you want to do. You're going to have to deal with a lot of this. So just buckle up and plow through. There you go. Well, right. thank you so much, Brandon. I appreciate it. All right, we've got our last special guest of the panel. Please welcome Spencer James from Dry Bar Comedy. Spencer. Thanks, Spencer, for joining the panel. And you also get to share one of the most favorite tales of rejection that you've endured. Did you and I have a... Oh, what is one? Yeah, well, share a tale of rejection. Um, still haven't worked Tom's Club. <laughs> I knew that was coming. Yeah, you I knew, knew it was coming. Uh, I knew, man. I'm okay. Road hacky comic. No, no. Uh, no, that wasn't you. That wasn't you. <laughs> All right, thank you. Um, I'm going to address this, though, when you're done. I like other, I like other guys' stories sometimes. Uh, one guy, I like, uh, one guy got a, because you look, you send an email, and then you get a blank stare, and you just look at the screen for years. There was a guy that I knew who got an email back from, I think it was Grossman, and he emailed him back and said, hey, like that, because I just don't find you funny. And this guy's, can you believe he fucking sent this to me? And I was like, thank God, I wish I could get that. I wish I could get yeah, someone no going, shit. don't waste your time, yeah. and be like, okay, go email somebody else. I would have I would have loved that. I don't know if there's one specific thing of my rejection. There's, there's a lot that flow together. I don't think that it's just constant. It's a daily thing. I don't know. Well, if, and overall, how do you handle either... Con, like the consistency of the nose or just not hearing back, like not even knowing <laughs> where you stand. I mean, that's tough. And that's half the battle is just getting in with a club. H how do you, how do you ease that blow a little bit? You know what sucks? I'm not going to talk about those as much. I'm going to talk about the times when they waste your time. When somebody like there's a club that's even represented in this Oh, okay, I'm not going to go that far. But there is there's At this table? No, not at this table. No. But it's like when someone doesn't represent the booking, like when someone's like the bartender or something, they're like, yeah, I'll take a look at your press packet or I'll take a look at your showcase. That shit happens more often than anything else where someone fakes, yeah, I'll take a look at you. And you're like, just find out who really books the shit. Because I've shown up to a lot of places. I used to take free flights, standby. Because I worked at the airport, and I've flown all over this country trying to get showcases spots. Stardome, Birmingham, Laughs Unlimited. Uh, there's, there's all kinds, and that fucking people lied to me, not even knowing that I was going that far to try to just showcase at a club. Been like, yeah, I'm the guy that books it. Guy leaves the room. You do a showcase. You do a six minutes set. Oh yeah. As far as rejection, you're gonna get rejected when you're broke, sleeping on a beanbag. In South Dakota, when you're 33 years old, like that's that's when you got to be like, oh, I don't know if I want to do this anymore. Well, and that's the idea of just kind of keep pushing through. And I'm excited. Let's bring up Corey Rodriguez. Come on up. Yeah, come on, Corey. Come Corey, on up. Corey, winner of Big Sky Comedy Festival. And you've also seen um, Corey, too, on Dry Bar Comedy. And so we'll just kind of keep chatting, get your thoughts on rejection as well. Um, and I think kind of just that overall theme of just if you really want to do this, rejection is going to be part of it. How do you handle rejection and how has it fueled your career? Um, Brendan, was it? 
What was his name? The blue shirt? Brandon. Brandon. Is that is that all right? Yeah. What is it? Brandon. Brandon. Sorry, Brandon. Same way. Uh, yeah. Same way, kind of like how he was saying, if you get rejected, it kind of fuels you uh, completely. From how it used to feel to now, it used to, to kind of stop me from producing early on. And then... As I was doing it for a while, you get that rejection. I just it just fuels me. I'm like, oh, you reject me. I'm like, all right, fuck it. I can, I can do something. I can do more, you know. So I just get more amped up to work. I would say if you're a good like if you, if you respect the writing of what I did, at least don't tell me I wrote a shitty joke. I would say that I don't want someone coming up to me like, or oh, I've heard that before. Like those are the rejections I think that hurt me most. Is when someone's like. You know, you're 10 years in, you do all this stuff just to try to make it, and then you're like, okay, now you want to write the stuff that you want to write about. Well, I think the stuff is, if someone came up to me, and was like, even if you bombed a set, and someone came up to me and was like, man, that joke you did, though. I've had that. I've had that with someone come up and be like, I love that joke you do, you know, just you. You know, I've, I've had these people come up and quote the lines at you. So I, I think it's worse when someone, like, rejects you for, like, you know. I, uh, Isn't that easier? Am I by myself? Yeah. Isn't that, wouldn't that hurt more if someone came up and be like, you're a shitty writer. Yeah, that'd be outrageous. <laughs> I think that'd be so hurtful. I think um, I think over I think over the years I've learned how to um, this is like people think like oh you never get upset or you never get whatever. I just learn how to channel my emotions for the rejection because it's gonna happen. So like even when I, I got Conan and when I had Conan, it was already confirmed. It was like you know the dates it's, it's here like you have it right. And I was like, no, no, I don't have it until my flight is booked. Because shit just happens. Like, if you do this long enough, everything, things break down. And you get so excited. And you tell people. And I don't tell people. I don't tell anybody. I just I, The only people I say stuff to are people that I know either way they're going to be happy. They don't give a shit. Like, it's like, they're not like, oh, you didn't get that thing. You, you deserve it. I don't want to hear all that. Like, I'll tell someone That's who I know I don't have to deal with all that crap from. So... That's that's kind of how I and I just keep it to myself until you really have it. Sometimes people are like, "Why are you so sneaky?" I'm like, "Cause I'm protecting myself. I'm protecting my feelings. I'm protecting my drive. Because if you put yourself out there and you're like, I got this thing,' and you're all over online, I got it. And then when you don't get it, people are like, "That's what you get." Oh, you know what I mean? They can't wait. Can't wait for you to not get it. So I, I protect <laughs> all of that. I think I think not bitching about the just a piggyback on that. I think not bitching about how you get rejected because there's so many people that have such worse rejection stories than I do. Like there's so many. There was a uh, how many times does someone get taped on a late night spot and they just shelve it for later? Mm. That's happened. I know a guy that had that. His whole thing was he wanted to get on Colbert and then he got on it and then they just shelved it and they said, we're going to use it at a later date. <laughs> and you pray to God. Dry bar. There's guys that have dry bar videos, yeah. specials they've taped. Really good comics and they've never posted them. But so in, 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 in defense of that, because I hear people say that a lot, some of those Specials, though, they, they haven't went by the rules that they've lined out for you to do. So the people are still really funny, but they haven't met the criteria that they want you to meet. And so if you don't meet it and you swear or, you, or you're going down a path they don't want you to go down, they'll be like, this is really good, but it's not going to play to our audience. You know, that happens a lot. Sure. The guy I'm thinking of, I, I can't imagine him going that route. But, yeah. But no, I can see it. I'm just talking for no reason. I mean, these guys get rejected up here. I mean, there's, there's all kinds of people up here that I'm sure have rejection stories out the ass about stuff that's happened to you. So it's just, it's, you can either choose the bitch about it or you just keep plugging forward. But the people that make money on it, that pay their mortgages, do not give a fuck about your excuses. It is such a one-sided thing. It's ridiculous. But they can, they can cancel a gig on you. You can't show up and not be funny. 
Oh, there's a crowd. They don't, no one gives a shit about that. Nobody cares about that. Corey, any advice that you can give to anybody who is dealing with rejection mm-hmm. and they want to try to plow through, but sometimes it just hurts. Yeah. I think it was even Janae who was up here saying like, this is my art. So when someone mm-hmm. doesn't like it, it kind of, it, it, it hurts. It stays. Yeah. So I think I would say just allow it to hurt for a minute and then get to work because that's what this is. There's going to be, there's going to, it's so cliche. There's going to be a lot of no's before this is going to be way fewer yeses. And so it's, I don't, I just am less emotionally attached to it now. You know, like there's, there's times when you go to do something, they'll tell you they want you to come in for something. Oh, we, we, we want you to come back and audition this year. I was doing something for Comedy Central a couple of times. We want you this year specifically. And then it, it sucks. If you go and some of these auditions you go on, this is when it's hurtful. You go and you do an audition and you kill. You do better than most of the other people in the room. You know you killed, but you're not what they want. So it doesn't matter. You killing yeah, they and you ripping that room up doesn't matter. And then somebody who didn't do good at all gets it. You have to eat that. You have to take it. So you have to learn how to deal with it because it's going to happen a lot. So you learn how to deal with that. And then you try to figure out. And then the smart thing to do would be figure out what they are looking for and see if you are even in that realm. Sometimes the people booking shit don't even know what they're looking for. The auditions, so they see it. They're like, that's what I want. You know? So, you know. Uh, if I can tell, what I can tell this of one quick story. So yes, I was with, uh, I was with, I was working with JB Smooth one week. You guys know who JB Smooth is. All right, JB Smooth, hilarious comedian. And this is just about taking chances and not knowing what people want. Sometimes I was working with JB Smooth, and I was like, um, he was like, yo, he was like, I used to work right on SNL. He was like, that's how I got a lot of my start. He was like, but when when Curb Your Enthusiasm came out, he was like, man, he was like, I want to get that fucking show, man. He was like, I want, I want Curb. He was like, I want to do Curb. I want Curb. And he was like, but they weren't taking any auditions at the time. So he says, classic situation. He's leaving L.A. He's going to get on a flight. Manager or agent calls him or whatever. He's like, hey, they're taking some auditions. You want to come down? He's like, I went down there and I had to audition with Larry David. He goes, I go down there to audition with Larry David. Like, they bring you in. You're doing this scene. And he goes, he was like, he was like yo, I want it curve. He was like, I just had to take a fucking risk. He was like, I had to take a risk. He was like, Larry David was in there. He was like, Larry David was wearing a cardigan sweater. He was like, he had those big fucking buttons down his sweater. He was like, I grabbed Larry David by his sweater, started shaking the shit out of Larry during the scene. He was like, I was shaking Larry and his head was shaking all over the place and those buttons were shaking. And he was like, (laughs) by the end of the scene, everybody around was like, oh shit, like you touched Larry David, like during the scene. And he said that Larry David was like, I didn't know who Leon was, but I know now. That's what I want right there. That's Leon. You know what I mean? Because he was like, just take a risk. So he didn't even know what he was looking for. And he went in there and took that big risk, big leap where everyone else's mouth is open and he got it. So when you hear things like that, it just kind of makes a lot of the shit easier to deal with, you know? Yeah, I like that. Take a risk. And the longer you're in this, the thicker your skin's going to get. So you just have to keep persevering. What what about the people, I'm going to ask everybody on this panel, what about the people that do deserve no? We don't ever talk about that. Uh, people have been doing comedy for a decade, and you're like, God damn it, stop. Just be uh, nice. Okay. And, uh, I'm, I'm, you know, and walk away. I don't know. I mean, for me, I, I've i never told anybody that... That's probably not a good question. That, I mean, I, I don't think I would ever do that. I, I don't think I'd ever respond because comedy is so subjective, and if I only book people that I thought were funny... I'd have the same six comedians. That's it. <laughs> you know, I don't find comedy funny much anymore. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I book people that I think will do well. So I don't, I mean, I don't, I, I wouldn't feel comfortable saying, telling somebody that, you know, your comedy's not this or that. So I, I wouldn't do that. I know other bookers have no problem doing it, especially like as alluring as it sounds. Yeah. Cause it does, it, there are some, it would be nice for some people. 
She'd be like, dude, you are horrible at this. Just stop, stop. But what is to be gained? You know, they're probably having more fun with it than we are. (laughs) They're probably loving it. (laughs) They're just happy to get the the things that they get. And I don't know. I think about that. Like when people say that about when you want to talk about someone's comedy and I think about like calling someone's baby ugly, it's around the same lines. You know, it's like you don't want to like. Yeah. You don't want that bad karma. Like it's almost like you're like, oh, this person sucks. But it's like when you know they're bad enough, you keep that within your own friend group. You're not you're not out there like you suck. You're not telling them that. You're not spreading crap about them. You just keep it close to you. You know you yeah. know how you feel. I just don't you like know? hearing people bitch all the time. Also, it's when someone keeps complaining that I'm like, okay, well, yeah, eventually you are... have to stop doing this. You have to stop <laughs> complaining, and you have to move forward. You have to do something. But you can't tell them they suck, though. No. <laughs> I've also seen people, though, that I could have sworn would never be funny yeah. get kind of pretty funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that happens, fact. too. That yeah. Happens. No, I agree with that. It just clicks all yeah. of them. Like, whoa, when that happened? And it seems like they grow so fast because they were bad for so long. And then all of a sudden, <laughs> boom, and you're like, how is this dude growing so fast? You know? Pete Holmes it, and uh, Camille Nanjiani said that they had one person they were sure would never make it in the Chicago scene was Hannibal Burris. They were like, he's just, he wasn't, he wasn't, they just were certain he would never make it. And Hannibal's on the top of the pack, you know? Well, think, think of a five to seven minute set as a comedian for real. A lot of auditions we do five to seven minutes. You're two or three jokes away from being the shit or horrible. Mm-hmm. You were literally two or three jokes away. If you flipped two or three jokes, you flipped everything. So the same person who had no jokes for years, they've been honing it, they're working on it, they're getting that seven minutes right, and then they're going to audition for something, they're going to get it over you. It just happens, you know what I mean? Because they're two or three jokes away. I, th- I think it depends on what you're trying to achieve. If you're trying to be a full-time stand-up comedian that can just walk into a room and crush it on the road, that's totally different than someone that's getting a five-minute spot on something true. or auditioning to something. So Very do true. you want to be the person that gets 16 TV spots at five to seven minutes a piece? Or do you want to be the dude at the club that no one's going to walk by the feature and be like, I thought you were better. I it's, wanna, it's these yeah. two different things that you're talking about. So it's like, but you what, what do you want to achieve? Which thing do you want? Both. So. Both. I want to be the dude that has those yeah, spots, like those five to seven minute spots, but is capable of holding the room down when I go into the room. I think there's a lot of people that chase one and not the other. Oh, yeah. I'll chase, I, I do both. That's my, my objective. That's why I like you, though. That's why you, that's why you up here. I do both. Yeah, you got to hustle. Uh, speaking of, anybody in the audience, we've reached that portion of Q&A. If anybody has a question, speak loud. I'll repeat it back in the mic so we can record it, and we'll have our panel, uh, our panel guests take a stab at it. Any question from the audience? Anybody? Hands up. Yes, sir. Yes. <laughs> That, that's a great question. So the uh, audience member asked, if you are producing your own show and you're looking to book a venue or other comics and they say no to you, how do you handle that kind of rejection? <laughs> go to another venue. Yeah, go to another yeah. one. The venue is, not worth it. is rejecting the producer. That's the question? Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, that's just... It's stupid on the venue's part because they're losing money um, unless they have something much better and they bump you out for, which is also disrespectful, which is what makes 
a lot of this haphazard things that we do as comics sometimes with no contracts and no upfront and none of this stuff. When you go into it like that, then you just you you kind of blind. You're just hoping because if something better comes along, they will bump you out. Right now, at the level many of us are at right now, if an, if you book a weekend at the club and they get a contract with somebody else and it's better, it's gonna somebody's gonna come in, sell out, do way better than you're doing. They'll be like, hey, let me. Move, you mind if I move your weekend? They're gonna act like they're asking you, but they're gonna move your weekend. They're gonna be like, you mind if I move your weekend, Corey? Do you mind if I um I just want to switch you out to uh, I got a, had another prior thing or something came in, and then you, what are you gonna be like? No, no, right? Because even if you say no, they're like, all right, I hate this sucks, but I'm really going to have to move you. They're going to move you. So same thing with the venue. So if you don't get anything in writing, I mean, you're, you're just left. What are you going to do? Yeah. You know? And That's most huge comedians lesson. have those stories of like being bumped. Yeah. And then it'll, ha- it'll happen. <laughs> just keep doing it. Yeah, you'll be the, you'll be the people bumping people eventually, like you know? <laughs> right. Like, uh, okay, so Tom, let's say somebody uh, talked to you at your club, and they were like, you know, what's another thing someone could say? Is the reason they're getting rejected or not getting their show for any particular reason? An off night might help? Something like that? What's, what's, what's a good way to approach you if someone wants to do an off night? Uh, you mean like a, a, their third-party produce show? Yeah. Now, we do a lot of those. Um, that, I mean, it, right now, it's just whether or not I even have an available night for that, but I'm, you know, I'm open to that. We do a lot of those. So I, I don't think I've, uh, I've turned, I, I, there's a few people that I booked for, or not booked, but let them do a third party show. I wish I would have rejected, uh, and they won't be doing any more, but you know, you never know. But, uh, when I do a third party produced show, I, I try to make it, it is completely separate of whatever, you know, thing I have going on at the club. I treat those completely different in a lot of different ways, um, just to make sure that it is completely third party produced. Um, but that, you know, obviously that's a good way for me to at least get on my radar. But I have, I have a real quick little, uh, to emphasize, you know, we've said, we've all said it's not personal. Don't take it personal. Can I have a, Andy, can I reference you real quick? Is that right? My buddy, Andy Steinberg is here, everybody. Whatever. Don't Andy fuck Steinberg. with me. Don't fuck with me. Uh, so, but this is a good example. So Andy is just, he's one of my best friends and he's a very funny comic. In two years, I still haven't booked him. Because one, his dates haven't lined up, but when he does have dates, I didn't feel he was right for the headliner or whatever. And so we just, it just hasn't happened yet. And he's one of my best friends. So when I say don't take it personal the other way, like he doesn't like me, it has nothing to do with that. It could be a million other things, but this is the other side where I want to have Andy in my club. He's one of my good friends, but it just hasn't lined up. And the show is much more important to me than... Uh, you know, booking a friend, even though Andy's very funny, obviously. But anyway, so don't take this shit personally. No, Andy, I'm not taking questions from you. <laughs> Why are we? Team. We're not the same. Yeah, uh, yeah. He did book Michael. But Michael hasn't Michael's, date yet. Michael's dates happen to work with the headliner, Andy. I love you, Andy. Well, Stein, I think it's man. all mathematics too, right? I mean, it comes down to math. You need butts and seats to sell a certain amount of alcohol, right? There's an artistic side to it too, but you really need someone to come in and and be having um, a draw helps. Having there's only so many people. I don't. If, I don't book comics because I think they can draw. If they can draw, that's great. But I'm such a small club that you know, if you can draw on your name, you're not doing my club. You're doing the Tempe Improv or Stand Up Live or something like that. So I don't. I don't expect my headliners to bring anybody. I that's. I'll, I'll put the butts in the seats. You just do a good job. Um, that's the way I look at it. Yeah, that mentality has not... That doesn't happen 
in my experience very often anymore. Tom, I'm perfect for your club. <laughs> <laughs> I just had someone, I literally, while we were sitting here, I had someone in Vegas, after I perform at a club all next week, someone said that, and then they're like, hey, uh, come on Monday, but if you can help out with your social media following to try to get more people here. I was like, I'm not. I, I'm not. Well, I mean, on a Monday, when, I, when I say that, uh, again, I, I mean that. I've never booked anyone thinking, okay, these guys are going to draw. I've never done that. But I want you to entertain the people that are there. So a good example of that, and we may be getting way off topic, so just tell me to shut up. But like, you know, I get hit up by like YouTubers and, and people like that that will probably draw, but I don't book them. That's not what it's about because my I get a lot of regulars so I want people to show up and still be able to enjoy the show so I don't want I don't want you know this older couple to come in not knowing this YouTuber and going well what is going on tonight then they're less likely to come back so I don't I don't book people just because I think they could fill the seats I, I want someone that's going to come in and and just do a good job for the whole weekend for all of my crowd I'll worry about getting butts in the seats but I mean it always it's a nice feeling when you know my my wife does all my social media. She notices if you're not posting about it or saying anything on your social media. And she, you know, she'll complain to me. He doesn't even, I don't, whatever. I don't care. I'll have the people here. I just want people to come in and do a good job. That's all I expect from my headliners. But, and again, you, you, you said it, it's a math thing, but not seats, butts in the seats. There's just 10 million comedians and I have 51 weeks a year to book. That's just simple math. I'm yeah. already booked till June. And I have I just have this little club. I can't imagine these bigger clubs or these bookers that that book a bunch of they must be just while we've been up here, I've probably gotten at least four emails for bookings just since we've been up here and a prank text from <laughs> Stalder, wherever he went. Um and I just have this little club in Arizona that a lot of people don't even know about yet. So it's it's just you're, you're, that's what you're facing. It's just 10 million comedians chasing these gigs. You just gotta, you can't take it personally and you just gotta persevere. I wanna say something real quick. I would say start, for me what I did is since there's so many comedians trying to get things like that, like you got four emails, bigger clubs are getting bigger. I started on one-nighters and bars and I probably did that too long, but it was probably, it was a lot of years of bars and one-nighters all over the country that'll pay you a decent amount for you know, working on your art when no one's really paying attention. And then then you can show up somewhere and have, I feel really good about some of the times when I've showed up somewhere and done a showcase for like Stroop, you know, and then you show up and you do that showcase. It's east of the Mississippi. And by the time you get done, like he was just, I, I don't want to work that for that amount of money. And then when you get done, you just have an honest conversation with one of the top bookers in the country where he's like, hey, I can't, you know, you're good. I'm going to use you for this and this. And it's like, I appreciate that. But you're not going up there nervous being like, oh, my God, I got to crush this so that I can get all my work for the rest of the year. You know, it's, that's, I, year, that's years, though. Expensive. I like that's that's years of that's working. That's years. Cause yeah, but I would rather there. be overprepared by the time you put yourself in front of people, you know. No, right. But that's that's, years what, that's what I mean by that is just put yourself yeah. in a position where when you showcase, you know, like, uh, Michael, how long have you been doing? Stand up. Uh, 2012. Okay. And then were that? you, did you feel you were ready to showcase in front of Conan? Yeah. When I yeah. did it. Yeah. yeah. So, but if he did it in 2012. No. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, that's just it. Be and I thought I was ready every year. Each year I was like, why aren't they giving it to me? <laughs> 10 yeah. days after I started, I was like, I'm ready. I'm ready to go. But I look back on what I was doing a year ago and I always cringe. And I think that's, I hope that doesn't stop. I hope I look back a year from now and I cringe at my set, whatever it may be. Can I just say, though, that what happens is that it's funny that you say that because I feel like at a certain point, which and this was like a, a 
eye-opening thing for me. At a certain point, you don't cringe as much when you look back. You're like, nah, I was pretty good. I'm actually happy with that right there. Like, it's a weird feeling to look back at your own stuff because forever, you're like, ugh, why would they even laugh at it? You're so mad yeah. at it when you're looking at it. Like, oh, this is the worst. But eventually you will get, I mean, you always are tagging something up and fixing it. And like, I say it better now like this. But I mean, just the premise is just everything. When yeah. you look back and you can be like, this is actually pretty good. Like, I'm not ashamed of this. I can leave this up online a little longer. You know, because you yeah. go back and look at all the crap you have and pull it down. You know, oh, well, you yeah. should be. You're supposed to be if you're not. But you're supposed to be pulling all that crap down. But the, the good stuff, you want to leave it up. And then the longer you can leave it up there, the better you're like, this is still this is still legit. You know, that's a good feeling. You know, and I, I'm actually surprised at how many booking emails I get. And they send me a link to a video in the email. And it's it's a shitty video. <laughs> and I'm talking stupid. about, you know, they're not doing very well. And it's like. This is the one. This is the one you picked to send, really? Uh, that happens a lot. It happens a lot. And, and so yeah. I would say don't, don't overreach. You know, I had somebody come in. Uh, a headliner brought a feature. They were not ready to feature. It was, it was terrible. And they got, by the end of the week, they were doing eight minutes. It was just bad. Don't, don't overreach because forever, that comic, that's what I'm going to remember. They may go on to do great things, but I'm always going to remember that I don't know, man. Didn't go well the first time I booked them. You know what I mean? So first impressions are everything because, like I said, you're trying to break through all of that noise. I ju- you email me. Okay, I happen to have a minute. It popped up. I'm going to watch your video and you send me a shitty video. This is the one of all the videos you thought that, oh, yeah, this is the one. <sighs> Think about that. I had somebody, I you know, I try to go to the open mics during the week around Phoenix. And I remember I saw this person at an open mic and they they ate it bad right and i'm sure it was just an open mic granted but they ate it bad and it was it was we all everyone in the room knew it was bad the next day they messaged for a gig directly hey i saw you last night i'm like you know i saw that right i mean i wasn't names we want (laughs) names imagine if i just named all these people (laughs) so don't don't overreach and and maybe ask get a lot of feedback ahead of time and and try to be honest with yourself send your video to people that will be honest because that's you know and you can also have a good video and just not put it on youtube i think my conan was the first tape of me on youtube Mm -hmm. that i liked there were some i did this thing when i was 20 Comedy time, uh, oh, fucking comedy time. time. So yeah, it's a, a terrible organization that takes advantage of young comedians. And uh, I had three clips of there. They were fine. Like when I did the set when I was 20, I was like, that was funny. But two years later, you're like, oh my God, this is online forever. This is, everyone's going to see this. One of the best moments of my life was when I got them to take it down. I had to pay uh, a little price, but that was... That was a big day for me. Tom, Tom. Comedy time. Tom, what do you do when, um, because you were saying, you know, don't overreach. But sometimes during summer months, sometimes just because your buddy's a headliner, let's say, and you bring a feature or something like that, whatever the situation is, um, people are given opportunities. So when you're the comic that's put in that position, because you see a lot of the younger comics, they're put in a position where they're given that chance, where it's like fight or flight right now. And when you're saying kind of like don't overreach, but some of them overreach and they do okay and they're like, oh, they're getting a breakthrough because they're getting an opportunity. So what would you say to the ones that are like, you know, in the summer, sometimes clubs will just put in comics that they don't. Now, I'm not saying your club does this, but they'll put in some comics that aren't necessarily 
top notch because it's summer. They're not, not going to sell well, or they just bring them, let them do bringers or whatever they're going to do. But they're getting an opportunity to do way more time than what they would do. Now, what do you think for someone who's taking a chance on themselves in that situation? Well, and again, I can only speak for me, but but I never feel like all right. I'll just I never feel that way because there's just too many great comics for me to bring in. I don't I don't have to to settle for anybody. So I, I don't really do that. Um, as far as features, if, if headliners want to bring in a feature, um, that's totally fine with me. I assume that you know what you're doing and you know, if the show's bad because of them, you know, that's kind of on you. Um, but this one instance that I was talking about earlier, uh, now I at least watch the videos mm -hmm. and make sure that, you know, you know, I'm confident that they're at least going to be decent. So the only time I, I never consciously settle for somebody other than if a headliner wants to bring, bring somebody. And I know they're doing, they're trying to, you know, they're trying to throw favors to their friend. I get that. And that's fine. But, um, and, and, you know, almost all the times it's, it's fine. Just that once was, was really bad. Mm -hmm. Um, so now I'm, I, I at least watch the videos before they, before I say yes. Um, but I'm just saying I'm conflicted even with privates, like how I feel about it. When I'm looking at comics that are booking a private date somewhere and they're going to do whether a fundraiser or whatever you're going to do and they're doing 45 minutes and they really have 20 and they're like, they're going to do it, but they're going to learn. But it's like they're learning at the cost of the art form. So it's like these people probably will never go to a comedy show if they've never been to one because this is going to suck. Yeah, yeah. So, but at the same time, this person's going to learn. They're going to learn something because you get hot. When you got twenty, you got twenty-five minutes. You got to do forty-five. It's just, it's gonna get hot. There's gonna be some pressure, and you're gonna learn how to survive that. And then you're probably gonna do it again. And yeah. so I'm just saying, you know, what what well, happens in those situations? Should those people not try to do that? Well, it, it goes back to the first impression thing. If you go into a club to feature and you don't have whatever you need or whatever, um, that's how the booker or owner is going to remember you. They mm. came in, ugh, and you know there's always a second chance, but because there's so many comedians to book, why risk another opportunity like that? Why, why risk that? Every comic I book that I've never, that I'm not familiar with or have seen before is a risk to me as the club owner, mm -hmm. right? That's a risk that I'm taking. Um, and that's why clubs kind of have their little circle. I, I totally get it now. It used to drive me crazy when I was, they booked the same four hosts all the time. I get it. Because you don't want to take that risk. So when someone comes in and they don't do a good job for whatever reason, it's like, well, you know, I'm, I'm probably not going to get back to you for a while, mm -hmm. you know, unless it, unless something just happens to happen. So that's a risk kind of you have to be willing to take. You and know? that's comedy, guys. It is all about risks. You just got to keep persevering, get <laughs> thick skin, don't stop, be cool, be nice. Unfortunately, we are out of time. That concludes our panel, Comedy Tales of Rejection. Uh, thank you to the audience, the green room, our panel, our special guests. Enjoy the rest of the festival. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys. See you down there. Thanks, Michael. You're amazing. Are you